Hi, this is Pastor Rick. I'm glad you're with us today in our sermon today called The Liberating Power of the Truth. It is amazing how truth can set you free. Sometimes you think you know, but you don't know. Sometimes you think you see, but you can't see. In our study today, we're going to take a journey back to John chapter 4. I want to talk about this woman at the well, and I want to show you how truth comes to people and how God can bring truth to you in ways you never expected it and how she responded. It's really a part two to what we talked about last time, but boy, this is so good. You don't want to miss this. Stay right there on demand. It's where the word of God is at your fingertips. You can choose when you want it and how you want it. So stay right there. Enjoy the message. I'll be back to pray with you at the end. So stay there. I am really uh, excited about this message. I believe that what we're facing now as a nation, what we're going through right now, the next series of messages are really going to help us because it's all about the truth. It's all about you being able to sit down in your life and look at your life and tell the truth. Now, if you're like me, if you're honest and you tell the truth, you've been you've been in seasons when you weren't as um, you were not as connected to the truth as you thought you were. You thought you knew you thought you understood. You thought you were clear, but you were not clear. In John chapter 4, there's a story we've been looking at of a woman who met Jesus at a well. The Samaritan woman who lived her life, and her life had spun out of control. Her life had become somewhat complicated, uh, obviously talked about, and she is going to the well to get water, and on her way to the well, she encounters Jesus. And in this encounter, something amazing happens. Let me read you the story in the book of John chapter 4, verse 7. Listen to this. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? Verse eight, his disciples had gone into the town to buy food. Then the Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. This is an awkward moment, but it's a powerful moment because this is the woman who obviously had never expected to hear from a guy like this and especially asking her to get him some water. The background of this is powerful. This is, a, this is an example of somebody who's living a life and their life is going down the road and they've just accepted it. She's a person who has had five husbands and she's now with someone that's not her husband. She's had a lifestyle, and Jesus talks about this, and we mentioned it last week. He talks about her life and asks her, go get your husband, and tells her that he's got some special water that will never cause her to be thirsty again. And so she's curious. And so in chapter 4, there's this back-and-forth dialogue. But what I want you to notice, though, is this is a moment she did not expect. She's about to hear truth from a source that she never expected. She had her life all mapped out in her mind. But all of a sudden now something's changed. Here's what I believe is true. Sometimes God sends you help in ways you never expected it. Sometimes God sends you people you never expected to come to you. And they talk to you about your life. They talk to you about things you never ever imagined. God will send a circumstance. God will allow you to be in a moment in life. This, this season we're in now in this country is an example of how you hear God differently in a pandemic. You hear God differently in a challenging season. You hear God differently when your money is funny. You hear God differently when your marriage is in trouble. You hear God differently at certain seasons of your life. And in this moment, on her way to the well, she has no idea she's about to have a whole life change. 
Her whole life is about to change and she's about to hear truth, truth that's hard to hear, truth that's difficult for her to hear. You know, there's a verse in John chapter 8, verse 31 through 32 that I mentioned to you last week. Let me read to you again. To the Jews who had believed Jesus said, if you hold me to my teachings, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. What a moment. A moment where Jesus said, let me tell you how it happens. Truth frees you. You run into something. That's what she's about to run into at the well. She runs into something and all of a sudden her life is about to completely change. So much so that when she hears Jesus talk to her and he challenges her life and he says, you, my friend, have been living apart from what is best. When he asked her, he said, go get your husband. And she she said, I don't have a husband. And he said, you're right. because You've had five and the one you have now is not your own. When he confronted her with that single truth, that truth changed her life. And that's what we talked about last time. How one truth can change your life. One conversation, one moment, one sermon can change everything in your thinking. So much so, look at chapter four, chapter four of John, verse 28. Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Now, imagine this. Here's a woman who is focused on one thing, going to get water. This is a journey. You put it on your head, you carry it, and you walk. And then when you get there, you have this encounter with this man who speaks to you. And the impact is so phenomenal. The truth that he tells you is so phenomenal. You want to go tell somebody. So she runs out of the town and says, listen, I want all of you to come and hear a guy who told me about myself. I'm sure they all said, well, that, that's that's everybody knows about you. And I mean, but what's amazing is she's so convincing. She's so impactful that they come running and he ends up in the end of the chapter staying for two extra days. Now, this is an example of how you'd be surprised who has influence. Some kind of way she has a reputation that's not that great, but she also has influence. People want to come hear the guy who touched her. They want to come hear the guy. This is what Jesus told us. He said, let your light so shine before men that they'll see your good works and they'll glorify the father. Growing churches are churches full of excited, changed people. Communities that change are full of people who are, who are excited and, and ignited with passion for the community. People who change a family come into a family setting and they want the family to be different. In this moment, this woman's life change, this woman's moment becomes an infectious event for the entire town. One person hears one truth and it changes everything in their life. One person hears one truth and everything changes for everybody. I wonder, do you need to hear one truth? Maybe it's your drinking. Maybe it's your behavior. Maybe it's your language. Maybe it's some area of your life. Maybe one employee can make one change and change the entire company. Maybe the boss can go to work. Maybe the boss can do one thing, listen to his employees. I don't know what the one thing is, the one truth you need. But this one truth changed everything in her life. It was phenomenal. It was an amazing moment. But what, what I want you to see is, I want you to see how it can translate into your life. So notice three things that I think are, are fascinating about this, because to me, what's really amazing is how the truth came to her. That's our focus today. How truth gets to you. Now, first of all, notice it came in her case from a Jew. Now, that's significant. 
because the Samaritan and the Jews, as she said in the text, have no dealings. Secondly, it came from a man. Now, some of you women, you burnt out with men. Oh, yes, yeah, sister girl, you tired. So it comes from a Jew. It comes from a man. And it comes from somebody who has a different theological conviction. Jesus thinks differently than she does. So notice all three of these come together. And this could have been a blocking moment, blocking football. This could have been the moment when you block the person. Some of you know, I don't listen to, I don't listen to people that are Jewish. I don't listen to men. I don't listen to women. I don't listen to black people, white people, Asian people, foreign people, Iranians. I don't know. If we're not careful, our idea is we only listen to a small group of people. If this woman had missed this moment, she would have missed a life change. And so can you. You can miss a life change because you don't like the source that the wisdom comes from or the truth comes from. So in this moment, her life changes, everything changes. And there are four things that could have hindered her. Four things. And I want you to notice these four hindrances. Man, this is so incredible. Four things. You ready? Number one, racial bias. Mm -mm -mm. Racial bias, gender bias, geographic isolation, and theological ignorance. Let me say them again for you. Racial bias, gender bias, geographic isolation, and theological ignorance. If you're not careful, those four things can be the reasons why you never get to where you're supposed to be. Let me talk you through them. Number one, a person who's bound with racial bias can deny the potential of a person who wants to strive in life. Racial bias denies people opportunity. It denies them the potential of their true life and self. They will never get there. I think I said it this way. Racial bias can deny people their true potential. She was a Samaritan woman. And the Samaritan woman, if Jesus didn't cross path, go past her being a Samaritan, she would have never had this opportunity. One of the downsides to racism in any form, any bias, is you who have the advantage rob those who don't. If you're not careful, what happens is you, you have been given something by God and you didn't earn it on your own. God gave it to you, a gift. And if you're not careful, what it does is it denies people access. One of the most amazing moments is when you look back at American history and you take an honest look at it, a fair look, and you see hardworking people who came to this country to build the country, but they came with biases. They came with slaves. They came to enslave. And that was tragic. That is the history of Europe. There were wars, all kinds of wars, Protestant and Catholic wars. A lot of that stuff was going on simultaneously with slavery. There was the same in the same century or so. There was the same dynamic of wars and fights and, and this country against that country and France and Spain and England and everybody was. And they learned the fight. They learned the war against each other. When they came to the new land, they brought that same spirit. They brought a spirit of conquering and taking over because that's what they knew. And when they came here to the Indians, they, they had advantage. But the Indians had something, too. They had culture. They had a love of God. They may not have known how to define it the way we do, but they were seeking something. They were looking for something, respecting the earth, respecting, respecting their environment. 
They had, they had valuable cultural habits. They had built allegiances. They had respect for life. There were fights and wars, but they were, they were a different kind of people. There is a book I want you to maybe consider getting. It's called The Lies My Teacher Taught Me. It's an amazing book, and it's not any way, in any way a reflection on teachers, by the way. It's just the lies that were taught to us in school. Some of the things that were not in the textbooks. You know, one of the things about learning to do research is you learn to compare so that you're not just hearing one guy's opinion. And some of the researchers who put some of our textbooks together came to some amazing conclusions without all the facts. And I, I'm not against textbooks. I just think you need to, be, need to be a researcher. Our kids need to be taught to be researchers, to compare data, to look at all the information. And so one of the things that said is in this book, which you, I think you'll find fascinating, is how many people liked the Indian lifestyle. And in some of the colonies, there was a problem with people leaving the colony, going to live with the Indians, marrying Indians. Some of those Indian men look good, I'm telling you now. Some of those Indian women look good. And they would, if left alone, they would migrate and change relationships. They would bond together in unique ways. But there was this complete fear of that, this fear that you have to keep everybody in their own racial box, in their own cultural box. And there's no, no, no gumbo effect. It's not allowed. It's somehow that... One thing has to stay pure. Nobody can ever communicate beyond the boundaries. And that, my friend, is a bias. It's a racial bias that hurts everybody. Because I believe that one of the great reasons that God told the church to go into all the world was not so they can go and tell everybody what to do, so they can go and learn from the world, too. Go ye therefore into all the world and preach the gospel. But you go there, and while you're preaching, you're learning. They, they teach you cultural habits, cultural behaviors. The Indians used to be surprised at the way that the, the, the colonists would fight and, 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 and not agree. Now, I, I know there's a lot of history in here and there's a whole lot more to talk about, but I'm telling you, it's amazing how sometimes we don't see the danger in bias. Jesus said it this way, a house divided can't stand. If you want to see how you can destroy a nation, destroy people, let them fight each other. Set them on, on, on paths that are diverse and let them begin to war about things. Politics is a good warning sign for us. It should scare us. We should not like this division. We should resist it with all that's within us. We should strive to not participate in it. We should vote. We should take a stand, but we should not allow ourselves to become divisive and hateful towards each other. But what's interesting is that's one of the things that Jesus overcame. He stepped over it to reach this woman. That's what brought truth into her life. Truth doesn't come unless somebody's willing to cross the line. There's somebody that has something you need that's not of your race. God's blessing for you may not be in your race. As a matter of fact, your husband may not be. That's why you can't find him because you're looking in one place. What you trying to say, Pastor Rick? I'm, <laughs> I'm saying he may, he may. He may be a Japanese brother. I don't know. He may be. Uh, she may be from, I don't know, Armenia. I don't know. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. I'm not saying, but I am saying, kind of, sort of. I'm saying to you that, you know, racial bias blocks and locks out opportunity and narrows in potential. Let me get to the second thing. The second thing is gender bias. Gender bias can deny people their true potential. If you are not careful, your attitude towards men can be your downfall. You're never going to get promoted in, 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 in the business world. Men are there. I'm sorry. Women are there. You don't want women in your life. What do you mean? Women? You're against women? If you're not careful, you're biased against them. Your bias against the opposite sex can be a, a, a game killer. And I, I want to just say this to you as a, just a drop in here. Man, if you have a bias, and this is not on the list, but I'm going to add it as a sidebar here. If you're not careful, you have a bias against people that aren't like you. 
They just aren't following your moral convictions and they don't follow your moral ways, then you're going you're gonna to be a person who misses some opportunity because sometimes the people you deal with aren't going to have your conviction. They'll drink more than you drink. They may have some words that you don't say. And I understand. I don't like big, bad words either. But they're people. They're people we deal with that, that don't subscribe to who we are or what we do. So let me stick with my list, though. Number one, remember, racial bias is a danger. Number two is gender bias. Number three, let me get to that one, geographic isolation. Geographic isolation. If you are a person who lives in one place, you will never see certain opportunities. You need people to come into your world and you need to go into the world of other people. You will never get all God has for you if you live in one place. And what, what I mean by that is Sometimes your answer is a few miles away from your home. Sometimes for you to know, you, you have to go someplace else. You just can't get it all in your neighborhood. It's not all there. And there are people that have to come into your life who've been other places, who bring a different perspective. And then let me get to the last one, the fourth one, theological ignorance. If you want to know what can stop you and what can stop this woman, it's theological ignorance. Jesus came to her from another city and spoke to her. He stepped into her life. He crossed the geographic boundary and he touched her life. And he brought to her a new way of looking at the word of God, a new way to look at theology, a, a new view. And there's something about that that lifts her to a new place, that gives her another perspective. Who do you have in your life that challenges your thinking? Now, I want to say this to you, Christians. Oh, boy, they have a hard time with this one. Because first of all, we think, Everything we think theologically is correct. There's nothing wrong with our theology. Our theology is A1 perfect. And so we don't really give much space for anybody to talk to us. If there is truth we need to know, we think we can read the Bible on our own. It's okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. and, and then we think we're right. Listen to this dialogue in John chapter 4, verse 21, between the woman and Jesus. When she tells him, he asked her about her marriage situation, right? He said, go get your husband. And she responds, uh, well, I don't have a husband. And he says to her, well, I know you don't. You've had five. And the one you have now is not your own. Her response steps all past that issue. She goes, oh, okay, this is okay. Uh, then she jumps on him with this statement. Look at this. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Now, I want you to stop there. I want you to think about this. So she, in response to the Lord's statement, starts talking about something that has nothing to do with anything. Then he responds this way in verse 21. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. So he begins to say, let me tell you, your theology is wrong. And at the bottom line, he says, we're not going to worship in any place. Like I said last week, we're going to worship God in sincerity. It's about true worship. It's not about a place or a location. And so there's this whole conversation. But I want you to notice that this truth comes to her from a person she doesn't expect in a way she doesn't expect it to come. And it's in a tone she doesn't expect, but it changes her life. The truth comes. It comes, but it doesn't always come the way you expect it. Some of you, God's trying to reach you, 
but you can be pushing back on, on, on what God's trying to say to you because for you sometimes you think, well, you know, it's not, it's not what, you know, I didn't, I don't like the way they were said to me. Well, this is not a fun conversation. He talks about her behavior. He talks about her, her sin or her, her issues and don't you know, call them the sins, whatever, her five issues. Maybe they all died. I don't know. Whatever happened, whatever happened to her. She, the, the thing she said was, come here, a man who told me all about my life. And what's profound is that these, these two people are talking and a miracle is happening because they cross an ethnic boundary, because they cross a gender boundary, because they cross a geographic boundary, because they cross a theological boundary. They don't allow that to stop them. They don't allow anything to stop them. They want the truth. She wants the truth. You know, you can look at a person, you can judge them and say, oh, man, this woman's no good. Boy, she's done had five husbands. You can say whatever you want to say. You can look at a person's life and they may be all jacked up. They may be all messed up. They may have made mistakes. They may be in debt up to their neck. They may have lost their way, but they have something burning in their heart that you can't see. There's a passion for God in their soul that you can't tell. That's why the Bible said that the wheat and the tear go together and I'll separate. You amputate people. You can't always see where they are. And some of you are that person. You're the woman at the well. Your life is full of all kinds of things you don't want to talk about. You, you, you don't want to talk about who you were with, what you did. You don't want to play any old video stories about anybody in your life. You want to throw all that in the trash because it was all bad. It was all bad. It was all bad. How do you even describe you had five weddings? How do you describe that to people? How do you communicate in a small town? It wasn't like it was like California. Uh, it wasn't no big L.A. It was a small town and you you didn't have five husbands. You got a big family all around you. Yeah, you used to be my cousin. That used to be my sister-in-law. That used to be my mother-in-law. Hey, mother-in-law number four. You could say, I mean, her life had a story that wasn't pleasant. Is your life like that? Do you have something that's been going on or had gone on in your past that you just, man, you can't, you don't want to talk about that. But look at how God reached out to this woman across her failure, across her issues. People may not can forgive you. People may not have the answer for you, but the truth can come to you if you open your heart and you open your mind. And you say, bring it on, God, bring it on, bring it on. I can hear it. I can hear it right now today in your living room, in your house, in your car or wherever you are. God's come to help you today to lift you out of where you've been, to give you hope beyond what anybody else can see. I love the fact that this is a one-on-one -on -one conversation because you couldn't have the disciples around because they wouldn't understand. They couldn't get past that she was a woman in the Samaritan. They didn't, as a matter of fact, when they saw him, what's he doing talking to that woman? They couldn't understand. But see, God will have somebody that will reach beyond your failure. God will bring somebody one-on-one -on -one with you that will help you feel better about your life. God will turn your life around. And you don't have to ever settle for where you've been. Where you've been is where you've been. You don't look like where you've been. You look like somebody that's going somewhere else. And I believe when all this is over, when this pandemic is over, when everybody's finished with all of this, we'll see God's hand on all of us and we'll be better people, stronger than ever. We'll have a testimony. We went through some hard times, but God was there with us. And sister girl, I know right now some of you women, you're looking at your life and you're feeling like, man, my life was a mess. And some of you guys, man, I'm telling you, you made more mistakes than you want to talk about. But God is still alive and wants to help you today. And so I want to pray for you today. I want to pray for you. Father, I pray for people today who've heard a message that's touched their heart. They said, I need God in my life. I need a change in my life. Pastor, I need, I need, a, re I need a redirection in my life. And so I, I, I pray God for them to surrender their life today and say, Lord, I come to you. 
like the woman did, come see a man who told me everything about myself. And I pray this is the day of transformation in Jesus name. Amen. Hey, listen, if you prayed that prayer with me and this is your new day right there on some of your devices, there's a way you can raise your hand and say, Pastor Rick, I'm I'm raising my hand. And if you know, if you see that ability, that technology right there in front of you, you can push that button and say, I want, I'm raising my hand. I want to give my life to Jesus right now. I want, I want God in my life. I, I just want, I want, I'm glad that I prayed with you, Pastor Rick. This is the beginning of a new life for me. For some of you, you can say, Pastor, I just, I think I'm just going to find myself a, a good, good old moment alone with God and thank him for his new beginning in my life because this is important. Some of you want to email me. You can do that as well and say, hey, Pastor, I, I want to email you and tell you about uh, me and how I, how I prayed with you today. I'd love to hear from you. That's pastor at overcomingbyfaith.org. You can email me and say, hey, let me tell you about it. I'll be glad to continue praying with you. I believe that you can change your life, that God can give you the ability to change the direction of your life because he put this provision in your hand. Jesus died to give you the, the ability to just simply say these words, I need, a, I need forgiveness and a brand new start. Today is your day, my friend, and I'm so glad to be with you. Now, I want to just say this about next week. Next week, I'm going to take a turn that I think will be a blessing to you. Can't wait to talk about it. It's going to be a, a turn that will help everybody. Why is it hard to talk to Christians? The challenge of telling religious people the truth. There are certain unique things that religious people face that make it difficult for them to hear the truth. There is an incredible challenge they face. Matthew chapter 23 is where we're going to start. You want to read ahead of me? Matthew chapter 23 is where we're going to begin. And it's going to be interesting to talk about why it's hard. What are the things that are difficult about reaching out to people who are religious, who are committed, who are Christians? Some of them are just religious, period. What makes it difficult? There's certain key things that can get into their life that can block them from receiving the truth. This is all about truth for the next few weeks. And I'm so glad you're with me today. And I hope you get a chance to stay with me. And I want to see God touch your life. Well, I pray this message inspired you. You know, I love the part where we talked about how truth can be hidden. And sometimes the biases uh, toward gender, toward race, toward people, theological and lack of uh, correction and all those things can hide the truth from you. But when you get the truth, you can be free. And so I want to pray for you right now. Let's pray. Father, I pray that what we've said today will bring strength and, gu and guidance and peace and help and wholeness. For those who've not gone to the right places, they've not been in the right geographic environment to help them see. Let this be a sermon that inspires them to go. I pray they'd open their hearts to new friendships, new relationships. I speak blessing and grace to them. I declare by faith that this has been a sermon that will change their lives and make a real difference in their future. In Jesus' name. Hey, listen, it's a joy to always have you on demand. I hope you were blessed by it again. I hope you tell a friend. If you liked it, link it and send it to a friend. Don't just listen to it and enjoy it yourself. If it helped you and it helps, it can help somebody else that you know. So be free to do that. Hey, listen, it's been a joy. I'll see you next time, hopefully, right here on demand. God bless. Bye-bye.